0: if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a big mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your mcdonald's bag as a placemat then that wasn't a road trip it
1: was just a really long drive
0: At participating mcdonald's
1: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and A, member FDIC. Hey,
2: everyone. It's Devin. And it's Freddie. And this week in
1: America, it's Turkey Week. Yep. It's Turkey Week and... It's kind of a holiday vibe so we are actually going to play a rerun one of our favorite episodes which was our first episode which is how the fuck do you buy a house
2: how the fuck do you buy a house in 2022 and in this episode fred and chantelle are going to walk us through the process that they went through only years a couple years apart from each other so give it a listen learn something and then like and subscribe happy house buying happy holidays
1: Hello everyone! Hello. Oh my god, we're here! Oh my god, it's, it's happening! I've missed you, ladies. Oh, you too, gals.
2: I know this podcast is going to be a bunch of us or a lot of us just catching up and then getting rich.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 my two favorite things: talking mm-hmm. and um you know making it rain. Yep, cheese making money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, this is our podcast, our new podcast, and it's called Money, Honeys. Hey. As we do more and more episodes, you guys are going to learn more and more about why we decided to create this podcast. I think, you know, a lot of these financial wellness podcasts that exist out here— they kind of have one point of view, you know what I mean? And I think what we could bring to a, a conversation, an ongoing conversation about finances is our various backgrounds and our various financial knowledge and just how to navigate, you know, really getting the most out of life financially with also, without, without driving ourselves crazy.
3: Mm-hmm. I think like we we've had to learn a lot of this stuff from just like dry articles or from experiences that we have to fumble through and just from people that don't really like resonate with us. And so we want to continue that learning and then pass on what we've learned to you all in a less dry, more fun way.
2: And I think we've learned in the past two years that all of these social safety nets that are out here for women Mm. are kind of a scam they are a little bit of a scam, or they're just stuck up in Congress. So <laughs> I think what we need to do now, as a collective, is just get together, gab it out, and figure out what's really important to us, so we can disseminate this information for all. Because mm-hmm. a lot of this financial talk, I feel like, has, for lack of a better term, been gate kept, mm-hmm. gate absolutely mm-hmm. gate kept. Yeah, kept, 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 keepered. Keeper
1: behind a gate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: There's a lot of gatekeepers. So. Yeah. So anyway, we're money honeys.
1: Yes. Yes. And if you are unfamiliar with us, we are formerly members of the collective Ladylike mm-hmm. at BuzzFeed. Mm-hmm. You know, think circa 2017, 2018, maybe parts of 2019. That was our our heyday. <laughs> Kylie Jenner lip kit. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> My God,
2: it's just, the vibes are still here, y'all. The vibes yeah. are still here. It's yeah. the era of the Kylie Jenner lip kit mm-hmm. The protect your introverted friends mm-hmm. on the internet. Mm-hmm. It's, um, Learn what a contour is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Big, big baking. Uh-huh. Huge, huge. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we've all since graduated from that era. True. Um,
1: I mean, Freddie, you are... You've left BuzzFeed. I am, you know, a full time freelancer right now, which is, and I have been for the past almost two years at this point, which is crazy. I I started the freelance life as right before the pandemic hit, so that was a um, an interesting shift, to say the least. An interesting heart attack. Yes, <laughs> Cute. <laughs> nice.
2: It was a cute one. Yes, it was exactly. really cute. It was
1: really, it was really cute. Yeah. Um. And, yeah, I'm just kind of doing my thing, content creating. Like, I really want to make my way into more linear content, traditional Hollywood space. So I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to make it work. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Trying to be happy and also make money. Money. Well, you should know
2: that um, I was, I'm producing a show right now. I'm not going to talk about what show it is, but your name came up a couple times. So you may be freelancing. It may be feeling like the free part of freelancing at this point. (laughs) But I promise you are talked about.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yep.
2: In some circles.
1: So. Well, wow. And that is what encouragement and friendship (laughs) looks like, ladies and Mm -hmm, gentlemen, mm because I had no idea. So thank you for that.
2: And Shanti, you are doing big things,
3: too, right? Yes. So I left BuzzFeed in October of 2019. Also, just a little bit, a couple of months before, um, the old pandemic but um i've been doing a lot of branded directing and so um mix of creative producing mix of directing all that stuff um making a short Mm -hmm. just doing more of that this year and then eventually getting into the linear space as well as Mm -hmm. as miss fk ransom (laughs) um also talked about so yeah, we're, we're making our way. You're holding down that freelance lifestyle as well. Holding down that freelance
1: lifestyle. I, I love it. I yeah. mean, well, wait. Before we move on, though, Devin, I still want to hear more about what you've had going on oh, yeah. the past couple of years. I mean, I left
2: BuzzFeed a, a month after Baby Chantel mm-hmm. in November 2019. F- swiftly lost my job. I, I moved to NBC, uh, lost my job in June, and then, again, switched to the freelance lifestyle, which I have to point out, I don't know if there's a financial podcast out there hosted by three people who are freelance. I feel like when we talk about budgeting, when we talk about finances, it's always done from the perspective of people who have full-time jobs and are salaried. Mm. But You know, uh, budgeting and weighing out like when you can spend money, when you can't Mm -hmm. is just a different beast when you're freelance. So it is a beast.
1: Yeah. Even when it gets down to the nitty gritty details like, you know, net 30, net 45, net 60 of when you get paid from Mm -hmm. a project like that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff is really impactful Mm -hmm. to, you know, a freelancer's life and how they're able to move. Exactly,
2: exactly. But yeah, I've been uh, out here producing, directing a couple shows for Facebook, Instagram. Come on,
1: producer and director, (laughs) a couple shows. Um,
2: I did a feature film, two feature films actually, for a new platform that's coming out this year, which is exciting. You know, I really want, when I left BuzzFeed, I was like, I just want to like, you know, wet my feet, cut my teeth. I want to do one of those things as much (laughs) as I can. Um, And it's been busy. It's been busy. Uh, I feel like also when the pandemic started and the stress of everything started setting in, I was like, I know what I can do. Work a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) In <laughs> pandemic's not yet touch me. <laughs> anyway, well you also started a business. I did start a business. I it's love called that. Butt Better
1: Productions. I love that. Cuz we're just trying to be butt better. Yes. Anything. Mm-hmm.
2: And maybe we'll have merch. Everyone wants me to have merch for Butt Butter. Um, Maybe one day. Maybe one day. That'll be a side hustle. I love that. But y'all bought houses, and that's what we really want to talk about today, because I feel like buying a house in this economy, and with this labor shortage, and the great resignation, and whatever it's called, is just a nightmare. But you did it. Mm -hmm. So that's what I want to hear about. (laughs) Yeah, we're
1: here to talk about it.
2: I have a lot of questions for y'all because I'm the novice in this space. I have not purchased a home. Chantel, you've been around this block before
1: twice. Mm -hmm. Twice, which is crazy
2: to me. And then you
1: just bought a home. I did. I did. So, yes, I'm on home number one. Chantel's on home number two. Chantel's actually helped me a lot with my home buying process and just giving me advice and tips along the way. So I definitely you know, would consider her really an expert at this point. There's always more to learn, and that's sort of the point of this podcast as well. But I definitely value the information that you've shared with me along the way. So I really am excited to sort of tag team with you and share this info with Dev right. and the rest of our audience.
3: <laughs> well, thank you, gals. I don't consider myself an expert, um, but I don't know. I mean, you just you just accumulate knowledge along the way, especially if you, you do it once yourself, and then you... So, I bought a place in 2016. Uh, Then my partner bought a place this year. And so I helped her along. I helped her a lot along the way. And then now other friends of mine are also taking the leap and buying homes. And so I've just been able to keep learning and keep dispelling that information as time has gone on.
2: For anyone who's like new to this space, just jumping right in. What other than having a home and living mm-hmm. in it and choosing one, and that's perfect and it's cute and it's a fun process, whatnot, what are the like generational wealth benefits that come from having a home? Why is it so important for anyone who's just kind of tuning into this process, maybe just starting to think about it, or for someone who maybe didn't grow up in a house, maybe mm-hmm. you know, has lived in an apartment or mm-hmm. has rented their entire lives? What are the financial benefits from having property?
3: So here's just one small little example. So say I buy a place today for whatever, $500,000. And then if I don't move out of that place, I have kids, I die, I pass that on to my kids. By the time that happens, that house, say it'll be worth the million. Keep the numbers simple. So mm-hmm. if I bought it for five, sold it for a million or... It, if I bought it for five and it's worth a million by the time I die and pass it on to my children, by then the house is paid off. So then if they sell that house, they're making a million dollars because the mortgage is done, it's paid off. Mm. And so then me dying and passing on that house is as if I'm giving them an inheritance, something that usually only very rich people have, I'm giving them an inheritance of a million dollars.
4: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: because I bought that home for 500,000 way back when
4: Mm. wow!
3: and so it can accumulate really quickly or even if I don't raise my kids and die in that house but if I keep that house sell it and then get into something larger you can see how quickly your wealth can accumulate Mm. so even if you just like Basically, if you just make 100,000 or 200,000 on each house, you can see how that puts you up into these higher brackets the more you go. You're making your money. You're making your money.
1: Work Work for for you. you.
3: Exactly, exactly. Because there's always money that you can invest into a home. You've done a lot of upgrades, they're beautiful. So you can do upgrades, you can do whatever, or you can do nothing. And in a market specifically like Los Angeles, that value is going to keep going up. You can buy a million dollar house in Silver Lake. That's a teardown.
1: Yeah. You know? Oof. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like we always joke around about, and even the internet in general jokes around about, going on Zillow or Redfin and seeing these, like, you know, literal... I mean, just it's just trash. It's barely a foundation. Maybe, maybe four walls. No, yeah. Maybe four walls. (laughs) And it's, you know, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars in the L.A. area. And it is it's real. It's true. And there are so many people who have accumulated all of this wealth who will buy that. House mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. flip it and and make more and or more money. Or companies, right? Yeah, or companies. My mm-hmm. favorite thing about
2: looking at those houses on Redfin or Zillow is there's always a washer machine somewhere
1: in the house. <laughs> like it may not have
2: windows or steps, but oh, there it is. There's the washer machine. Uh-huh. <laughs> it might be
1: in the backyard. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh it yeah. Might office. be on the patio. The bathroom. But it's there. But it's there. <laughs> it's there's a washer dryer in unit. In or... <laughs> unit. It's yours. Come and get it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> a possum might be living in. It, but it's but ours. It's <laughs>
3: <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's really easy to see how how real estate is a great way to honestly make money.
2: uh I love that. So. Because I'm in the dark about mm-hmm. a lot of these things and was coming into this, uh, you know, I, I, I felt like I needed to fill out the experience of home buying so I kind of understand the layout mm-hmm. with some context. So I wanted to start the segment out with a little rapid fire facts. Pew, 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 pew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so we can kind of see where we are in the general landscape. And then we're going to talk about the emotional, the personal, and what your experience, right? Because- yeah. Y'all are the experts in this episode. So rapid fire fact number one, which generation do y'all think makes up most of the U.S. population in 2021? We got A, baby boomers. B, generation X. I don't actually Mm -mm. know what generation that is. Not them. Uh, (laughs) C, millennials or D, Gen Z. Which population do you think takes up the most space in 2021?
3: When you mean most space, do you mean just like the
1: highest percentage of the population yes yes
2: then the majority of the
1: population i could have phrased that better but i didn't (laughs) something leads me to say millennials are gen z but i'm wondering if it's because that's my ecosystem you know what i mean like (laughs) i don't know
3: (laughs) i think millennials because boomers were the biggest generation the baby boomers and then the boomers all had us and we're mainly millennials you're correct.
2: And that fact actually surprised me cuz I thought it was going to be boomers. I really thought it was going to be the boomers. Mm. Cuz they procreated yeah. and they made an even larger segment of the population, which is us.
3: But everyone hates us. <laughs> 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 boomers hate us even though they created us and, and then Gen Z, Z hates, hates us <laughs> because I guess we're just easy to hate. I don't know. <laughs> we got we got none of the fun part of like being able to like we got okay boomer and that was it. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. And then boomers revolted and were like, you're not allowed to say it
2: in the workplace. <laughs> okay, boomer. Okay, boomer. Um, that's fair. I kind of hate us too. It's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> at what age are millennials buying houses? 30, 33, 35, or 38?
3: Mm. This is
2: over the US. In 2021, the average of the first time home buyer.
1: Okay. I'm going to say 30. 30?
2: 30? I have no idea
1: because like LA
3: is very different than like Phoenix Uh, or and I'm
1: like I'm thinking about like more so like middle America Uh and I feel like you know homes in general are just more affordable so I think you would be able to buy younger
3: agree okay
2: I'm gonna say thirty as well
1: Oh, okay
2: thirty three does that make you feel behind or it makes me feel less behind
1: Mm. yeah. Chantel's been ahead. How old were you when you bought your first home? I was
2: 26. Yeah. Switching gears from generation divides to racial divides, which racial.
0: Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg and cheese McGriddles and
4: a breakfast cutoff? Ba da ba ba ba.
2: Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster?
0: Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um,
4: But the bag did feel a little light. The
2: demographic has actually seen a rise in millennials being homeowners compared to their older counterparts. White folks, Latino folks, Asian folks or black folks.
3: Black and Latino folks probably make up the lowest percentage of the population who are homeowners.
1: Yeah. shout out to us yes <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. um, it might be Asian. That's what folks. I'm thinking too.
3: We keep saying the same answers. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think Asian. We think C. <laughs> um it's actually Latino a- yeah. a- I love that. I
3: wonder if part of it is just because Latino people have become a larger share of the population.
2: yeah, it's well and it's also. The, while this population is on the rise, mm-hmm. right, of millennials in that uh, racial demographic buying house, it's mm-hmm. still significantly lower mm-hmm. than everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> so, yay, yay! But also, like, we got work to do. Let's go to our little break. Let's do it. We did some deep breathing over mm-hmm. the break. We Now we're just reconnected into the topic du jour, which, again, is home buying. And once again, I know nothing about home buying except Redfin is fun. <laughs> Love Redfin! It's like It's my favorite home buying app. I mean, it's yes, my favorite sorry. app on my phone, I think. Mm-hmm. it lo- It's a serotonin boost. Um, And then I remember that I can't, <laughs> I don't think I can afford. Okay. Maybe so- you could. You might not even, you might, maybe you could, Dev. So this is where we're just going to hop in right here, because basically this is going to be in- an interrogation
1: <laughs> where I ask
2: y'all all of my questions, because mm-hmm. I am in a place, you know, we're in 2022. I just turned 33. Uh whoop, whoop. Patrick and I probably want to buy a house first together, and then go from there. If you know what I mean, mm-hmm. hell yeah! yeah. <laughs> so I, this is the year where I'm feel I feel like I want to make the moves in this direction, but I want to hear from y'all about mm-hmm. where you were mentally and emotionally before deciding to take the plunge.
3: For me, I always knew that I wanted to get into a a place as soon as I could. So I was very much looking at condos because I knew that I couldn't afford a single family home at that time. Um, And so basically out of college, I was just kind of trying to save as much money as I could because I knew.
1: But why? Like, why did you want to get into a home ASAP? Like, what was there something in particular that drove you to that? Desire? Yeah, because
2: I feel like that goes against the grain for like what Mm -hmm. millennials usually do, where they get out of college and they want to pay off their student loans immediately. Mm -hmm. What about you? What made you focus in on real estate so quickly?
3: So part of it is that for my college, I was able to get a shit ton of grants and scholarships. And so my loans were almost nothing. Oh, we love that. Wow. It was like-
1: I just got chills. I don't know (laughs) if it was like five
3: or $10,000 or something. Oh my gosh. I know. And so that it's crazy how much of a leg up that can give you mm. which is dumb mm-hmm. because my like my partner who makes more money than I do still has so like t- tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars in loans but I don't mm-hmm. and so that's a huge huge part of it mm-hmm. And I realize I'm very lucky for that. The other part of it is that I'm from L.A. And so because of the industry that I knew I wanted to get in, I knew I had to stay in L.A. Mm. And so it didn't sit right with me to be like, I I knew that out of college, like I couldn't go back and like move in with my, my parents again, you know, just emotionally and whatever. And so. It, it didn't sit right with me to be like renting a place in the city that I'm from, mm-hmm. but then also in like, my parents are like 20 minutes or 10 minutes away or something like, it just felt weird, you know? I was like, why am I, no, I need to like buy something. Um, and yeah. so then the other part of it is, I didn't move back in with my parents, but I moved back in with my grandma. And so I stayed with my grandma basically until I could, until I had enough money to buy the the first place that I did. So switching yeah.
2: gears, you were in a different time of your life, Fred. Yes. You were a little bit older yes. when you wanted to buy your first property.
1: Yes. And did you have student loans from Howard? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All yeses. Okay. <laughs> um. Okay, so.
2: Two different millennial experiences, here yeah. we go.
1: Post-college, I did a lot of, you know, being in the entertainment industry, especially just starting out, you make pennies, I think, Most of us know that. I Mm -hmm. moved to New York City making pennies and worked there for two years. um, And somehow was able to make it work. And like I look back and I'm like, how did I? (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs)
3: It's because we got bougie. Uh, yeah, we got old yeah. and
1: we got bougie. That's so true. That's Our back so true. started hurting. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> we good pillows. Literally.
3: <laughs> That's or I'm like, exactly what it is. We got old and bougie.
1: Um, and then I ended up moving to LA as, and I got an internship at BuzzFeed. So mm-hmm. again, that was also an hourly rate. Maybe $12 an hour, 15 maybe. When we started, I, can't I remember mean, what, what you, when making. you started,
2: it was $10. An when hour. I started, it was 10
1: Yeah. And then the
3: class after me, I think, got bumped up to 12. like 12 or 15 Crazy.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so I did not grow up knowing too much about like how to make your money work for you. Mm-hmm. I just know, and it's similar to Chantel, just save. Mm -hmm. Don't spend your money at all. Mm -hmm. That's like all I ever really went by was just like save, save, save. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is kind of what I did once I started working. You know, I got full time at BuzzFeed. I started really like getting um, super serious about just making sure that I was saving something. And I don't have a lot of. I love to shop you guys, like I love to shop, I love clothes, I love to travel, I love all these things, and I was like, okay, I need to just make sure that I'm just like having, when my paychecks come on the 1st and the 15th, I think my first step was to take 250 out each paycheck, and just had them automatically take it out so I don't see it mm-hmm. on the 1st and the 15th, and that helped me a lot. Yeah, um, it's interesting,
3: 500 a month.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, it definitely, and it's actually, I never took it off, so it's still happening, and I'm like, well wait, I- Hold on, y'all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not W <W-2> two anymore. Yes. <laughs> but I'm, but it's actually it does still help. Like mm,
2: it yeah. really does still help. 2021. What was it about that year that you were like, bet? Let's
1: it was, do it. It was 2020 where I first was like, okay, I'm going to look for a real estate agent and see if I can start making actual moves towards home ownership. And I think it was because I had been sitting in my apartment all of 2020 not doing anything, not going anywhere. And I was like, I've got it. something. What is happening? I was like, my money is just being poured out every month to this man for rent for this apartment. I'm just sitting in here. Like, I don't have any real outdoor space. Like, mm-hmm. what is happening? And so when I went into asking about um, loans and seeing what I could get approved for at that time, because I had just become freelance like right at the end of 2019 they wanted more proof that i'd be able to pay my mortgage i had just a few months of income to Mm -hmm. show to show them as a freelancer that i could pay but they were like you need at least two years and i was heartbroken like i was heartbroken i was like but wait i have savings like this is look at how much i have in reserves like i'm fine they needed they needed more proof so i was like very upset because i had gotten it had taken me a while to even get to the point of like being ready and then to be kind of shut down in that way was like, traumatic. well I just can't do anything. Like I'm just gonna be in this apartment I guess and this pandemic's never going away and I'm just gonna die in here. Like that's just how I felt. Depressed. Like I was actually very upset mm-hmm. and I-, I was like, you know, I'm trying to do the right thing in my brain, right, the quote unquote the right thing. You know, I'm trying to like make whatever moves that I can with my finances that I feel comfortable with and that I'm able to do in my brain and like everything else seems to be stopping me from doing that. Fast forward, so my real estate agent, she was telling me, she was like, okay, we'll circle back. She was like, we'll circle back at the top of the year. It doesn't have to be two years, but let's see what happens with a full year of freelance and we'll revisit, you know, getting approved. And so she was very like, she was like, Fine, it's fine. Like, I'm not going anywhere. She's like, I'm not gonna like disappear. She's like, we're gonna work towards this. You're gonna be okay. And then like when tax time came around, in 2021, I was able to submit my tax information to all my finances from the year of 2020. Mm. And I ended up looping in like my loan brokers into like my whole tax email thread with my accountant and just so that he could see where I was. Mm-hmm. I did not realize he was gonna pre-approve me right then and there. Like I thought that I had like another year or so to go, but he was like, No, you're good to go. Like, let's get going. And I was like, I had like stopped. Going on Redfin, I had stopped going on Zillow. Like, mm-hmm. I just had put it on the back burner and was like, I guess I just gotta wait. And then he was like, You're ready. And then I was like, Okay, I, if I'm ready, then I'm gonna strike while the iron's hot and mm-hmm. just try to get it done. So mm-hmm. that was my like really long, drawn out story of like how it happened. But it was very emotional, very upsetting at a lot of points, and then just like shocking and then like a whirlwind and then hunting and like it was all of these things at once. Mm-hmm. So you
2: kind of made it sound like dating a little bit. <laughs> a little bit yeah. you hit, you deleted all the apps yeah. <laughs> and then re-downloaded them <laughs> cuz part of it, it was is that
3: whoever your lender is they're about to loan you multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars it's going to be like the biggest loan of your life and so what they're looking at is to make sure that you're good for it that you have the means to pay it back so if it's like devin i'm going to loan you a million dollars today I need to know that now through 30 years from now, you can pay back that $1 million. But
2: realistically, with one year, maybe nine months from when y'all were talking, nine months of income, they're like, yeah, that's good. That part is weird. It's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Because
1: typically, I think you have to show like three years
3: of income. Or I, I think like typically it might just depend on the loan size.
1: Yeah. And I think, well, for me, too, I was also talking to various lenders at the beginning and they were all telling me sort of the same thing. And then my real estate, I think, you know, my biggest advice, if you can make it happen, is to find a real estate agent who has like a really good rapport and almost a team of brokers that they work with. Because that's really what it was. It was like a little dream team of mm-hmm. like my real estate agent and my two loan brokers who like helped me get across this finish line. And they folk and they really um, specialize in helping single, freelance, you know, really women get this done. And they really make your profile look great. And like that's their goal. And it's two white dudes. And then my real estate agent, who's a black woman. Like it's God just, bless. it's amazing. You know what I mean? So it's and that's. And she was like, they really they specialize in this and making sure that like people like you who aren't married or who don't have like a double income or who aren't W-2 can also make their home buying dreams come true. So Mm -hmm. that was
2: well, you brought me into the next question, which is like, how did you all settle on a price range for your home? Because like, did you have a professional come in and look at all of your monies and was like, that's your lender that that's so you're getting
3: pre-approved for that's basically your budget. Like that, if you're getting pre-approved at the highest amount that they'll let you buy a house for, so you could come in under that, keep some of your monies. But if they're like you're approved for 500, then you can really only buy something that's max 500. And that loan is for the down
2: payment mostly.
3: No, no. the the loan is for everything besides the down payment. Mm-hmm. Down okay, payment. Now we a backup. From-
2: <laughs> okay, all right. So, okay, yeah. Talk me through it.
3: Yeah. So down payment comes from.
2: You, your savings,
3: be it a gift. If I'm like Fred, I'm going to give you five thousand dollars and great, still has to come out of Freddie's account. Mm -hmm. So, down payment comes from you. That's basically being like, All right, this is the that it's kind of like your collateral. Mm. And so, you're putting in your down payment. Okay, traditionally, quote unquote, gold standard is 20 percent. The reality is that's kind of a myth, right? And so I put down 20% for mine Freddie put down 10% for hers mm-hmm. and so being the the kind of the largest barrier to entry for buying a home is saving all your pennies for your down payment mm-hmm. And so the down payment is just a percentage of what the house is of, of what the house costs. and so but there's a lot of different loans that you can get who, where you can qualify, even though you put down less than twenty percent, because saving twenty percent of a full sale price in a place like LA, that's a lot of money. It can be hundreds of thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. or even eighty thousand dollars. It's a lot of money, and so saving up half of that, saving up ten percent. There's loans where you can save up five percent, loans mm. where you could save
1: like three and a half, two and a half. And so, and and the point of those loans is that you don't get punished, or you don't get um, cons, you don't you don't have like severe consequences with like interest, right? Mm-hmm. If you're putting down, you know, three or five or ten percent,
3: mm-hmm. like
1: they help you just just sort of balance out so that you're not, yeah, essentially like punished for not putting down twenty percent mm-hmm. upfront, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. yeah.
3: So the only thing about not putting down twenty percent is that typically you have a PMI mortgage insurance that you have to pay. On top of it
2: i'm sorry i didn't mean to roll my eyes
3: <laughs> no I mean, look these are not my rules you can roll your eyes all you want so backing up that
2: loan you get is to mm-hmm. buy the home up yes front.
3: yes it's okay. to buy it's to buy the rest of the house the rest of the house say you're buying my home okay say the down payment we'll keep numbers easy down payment is twenty thousand dollars full purchase price is a hundred thousand dollars okay so that $20,000 that you give me gets wired to me. Seller, I'm happy. I have $20,000. But then I'm like, hey, the full purchase price is $100,000. Where's my eighty? dollars I can't wait 30 years to get the rest of that $80,000 from copy, you copy. because I'm selling my home now. So your lender is essentially giving me my $80,000. And then your
2: Paying, paying the lender, the lender and how much on average are these home loan interest rates? How much are how are we talking about right now?
3: They're low, right now they're super yeah. low, so it's really really good. I'm looking
2: it up for us, y'all. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and so it it depends on your lender. It depends on
1: how you look as a buyer. I was approved for I believe maybe five hundred and sixty thousand dollars home. Okay, I already had in my mind that like five hundred thousand was going to be my cap because again, with the home buying, you can get outbid. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like, I'm gonna just look for 500,000 because who knows, I may end up up there at 560 by the time this is mm-hmm. done while I'm competing with other buyers, right. you know what I mean? So in general, I'm always just, I always go with the lowest mm-hmm. possible. Like I'm like, what is the cheapest, what is the cheapest house I can find? <laughs>
2: Oh, you're like me. When we walk
1: into a store, we go to the sales the section st- first. Straight uh-huh. to the sales section. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Why am I going to pay
2: extra money if I don't have to? <laughs> right? Why? I like this shirt. It's on sale. <laughs> the sale is it influencing why I like it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> By the way, it's 3.8% for a 30-year fixed loan. For 15, it's 2.8. And I don't know what 10 slash 6 A-R-P or A-R-M A-R-M. Bleh. Yeah. Yeah. sorry guys we're serious about this stuff okay so you got approved for 500 560 yeah and you got approved do you remember for what your condo I don't remember This was years ago though yeah I
3: don't remember what my like approval letter was for but my condo was 350 50 and I knew that I was gonna have a roommate immediately my best friend from college shout out to Julie um but so that also was a factor into like my, my mortgage and stuff because I knew that we'd essentially be splitting it.
2: Okay, so you get the loan. Mm-hmm. You get approved. You get pre-approved You get pre-approved for a loan. Which a lot of times... Okay, pre-approved or approved? Like, what are we talking? What's going on here? <laughs>
3: pre-approved is basically so that... So a lot of homes require you to have a pre-approval letter before you even go in to see them, especially during pandemic because they don't want to be exposing... they don't want to be exposing themselves to people who actually can't afford these homes because we're all trying to minimize our exposure and so it's they need to know that the person who's coming in to tour that home can
2: actually buy that home because there's a lot of looky-loos yeah a lot of looky-loos I was a looky-loo for like two years that actually happened to Pat and I we went to an open house and they were like "Mm, no yeah (laughs) <laughs> they were like, we smell a scam. the
1: way, okay, mm, <laughs> Yeah,
3: yeah. So nowadays, in regards to the Los Angeles market, you need your pre-approval letter to view a lot of homes.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay, wow. Okay, so the pre-approval loan letter is just like, hey, we think we, we may go on a date with you. It may cost $560,000. We are thinking about it. And then the approval is them actually putting the money down. Yes? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm.
3: that all happens in escrow. Okay. So so basically you the order is you decide you want to buy a home, you get pre-approved, and then you go and start touring homes. You find a home you like, you put an offer on that home. Offer gets accepted, you enter into escrow. Escrow is basically when all the contracts and all the money is exchanged. Then you close escrow,
2: they give you your keys, and it's your house. <gasps> okay, well, I just got really excited. But <laughs> coming back to, like, you just got pre-approved for your loan. Where were y'all emotionally at this point?
1: I was like, holy shit. Yeah, I was like, I was shocked. I was excited. I was like, okay, I redownloading the apps. Like, I reached <laughs> out to my my realtor, and I was like, let's go. She was like, yeah. Well, She was like, if you're ready, she was like, I'll have you something by the end of the year. <gasps> this was in June.
2: Mm. and then mm. realistically when did you move September 1st
1: wow so just Hell the yeah. summer just the summer which is very I think rare a lot I think it's I think it's having that quick of a home search to actually moving in in Los Angeles in this market I, I can't say anything but you know it was just the stars aligning for me because I fully expected to maybe even be looking into 2022 yeah um so yeah they did their thing yeah. yeah
2: okay so now we're talking about the fun part which i'm excited about the shopping part
1: <laughs>
2: Ooh. Ooh. yes the other part i as you can tell the other parts i don't know anything about. <laughs> <laughs> i'm like what, what? yeah
3: <laughs> so the shopping right.
2: did it feel like making a deal with the devil
3: A little bit? There's always a point during escrow where you think this is the worst decision of my life and I should pull out immediately.
2: Seriously. Did you have
1: that? Oh, yeah.
3: Multiple times? Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. Why? Yeah. It just gets hard. It just gets hard because in escrow, that's also when you're doing your home inspections. Um, It's when they're like writing up writing up everything and you just have to keep signing stuff like yes i will purchase this house and be liable for everything that ever happens to this house again Mm -hmm. and that it's like yes i i you're wiring your down payment you're just seeing it go and most of the time in the contracts there's not really any way to get that full amount back you can have different like contingencies where it's like okay if you do your inspection decide you don't want the house Then we'll give you like a percentage of your down payment back. But, you know, it might, that's why houses falling out of escrow, it's when all that stuff is happening.
1: I had to put down 3% of the 10% that I was putting down at the very beginning of escrow just to like hold basically hold the house just Mm -hmm. to have the conversation. Yeah. You're like, here's 3%. Yeah. It's like, and that's significant. I think for me, I think I had to give them Mm $13,000. Right. Yeah. No, that's nothing. We're talking small
2: percentages, but
1: big dollars. Yeah. And so I was like, wow, this is, um, this is a lot, this is a lot of money. And so I was like, let's just hope the inspection goes well, because that's, also, like like Chantelle was saying, that's when a lot of people do fall out because you can find out that the foundation is going to cost $60,000 to repair. And it's like, is it worth it if I'm right? If, you know what I mean? It's like I might as well go look for a different house because now mm-hmm. I'm spending 60000 more than what I was planning on. Well, that's mm-hmm. actually
2: a, it ties us into a, a listener question, which we have those now. Hey. <laughs> we opened up our social media <laughs> accounts asking for any questions a person may have. Mm-hmm. And someone asked. Um, what do you do if the owner lied about plumbing damage and you bought the house? So basically, you need to have a good inspector
3: so that you don't buy the house and find the stuff out later. Because a good inspector will find that stuff. Mm -hmm. So in like, hire an inspector that's legit a third party. I'm
2: thinking about Dwight Schrute in that episode. (laughs) Basically, (laughs) it's
3: like, would would Dwight Schrute find it? If the answer is yes, then your inspector should find it. So it's like... (laughs) You know, like, don't go through someone that your realtor is like, oh, you know, you can take recommendations, whatever. But it's like, don't go through someone that, like, the seller recommends. Don't go to someone that, like, truly anyone recommends unless you feel 100% comfortable with them. Definitely don't get one that your seller recommends. Yeah. So we got one who was just legitimate third party. And so in the inspection... It depends on the housing market. If they find, hey, this plumbing is shot to hell, then it comes back to you to say, okay, um, I don't care and I want to buy this house. Or you can go back to the seller and say, hey, this is going to cost $60,000. You take $60,000 off of the sale price. Or... You fix this before I buy it, which is like never going to happen. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, because they don't have an incentive to fix it for right, you. Right. Um, but it's like, okay, you take 60K off and then we can keep proceeding.
2: So, what happens if, like, with Freddie put down that 3% mm-hmm. and we find that the plumbing is shot? Mm-hmm. And then, if you want to back out, do you get that 3% back or no?
1: Yes, because it was written in my offer.
2: Oh. Uh, yes. Okay. So, you so, want to make sure it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, your offer.
3: Also just needs to be rocks. You Usually just, you just need tight good people. Yeah. It has to
1: be really tight. <laughs> you just there's need so good many, people. There's so many things that you if you've never done it before, there's so many things you would never think to yes. put in there. Which is why you should really have a an agent who's like you is trusted and has has experience and like you know that they like are crossing all their T's and dotting all their I's. Cause that was my main thing. I was like, now, this thirteen thousand mm-hmm, dollars that mm-hmm. I am putting mm-hmm. in here.
2: She's going to come back if this doesn't work out, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. She's going to
1: return to mama. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. To,
3: like, to carry us through escrow, it's basically you get your inspection, you sign all your contracts, they sign all their contracts, you wire the money over, and then your lender wires the money over to the escrow account. Once it hits that account, then they're like, all right, that's the last step we have all the money, we have all the signatures, we can close escrow and get you your keys today, tomorrow.
2: Once it's all there, they're like, great, when do you want your keys? I just feel like y'all have educated me so much, which by the way, thank you so much. I know it's wonderful. I answer got all my questions answered, but I just wanna turn one more time to our fans. Um, Cause here's a good question that I think might divide us. What do you think is better? To have low debt or more savings when you apply for a mortgage,
3: you're always going to have debt. Basically, like you like <laughs> student loan is debt. Even once you own a home, life is that debt. That's debt. debt. Breathing is debt. Mm-hmm. You owe that
4: breath. Back to <laughs> <Yeah>. society. <laughs>
3: you beach. So it, it's more about like the like. It's more about the equation of it all. So you can have debt as long as. What you make is more than that debt so that you can pay your mortgage and pay all your bills. Mm-hmm. Okay, It's just an equation because if you have $100,000 in debt, but you make $2 million a year, yeah, you're going to get approved for a loan. But if you have $100,000 in debt and you make one fifty,
2: yeah, then it's going to be a little harder. To figure out your equation. Copy. Mm-hmm. Got it. So- as two single gals who bought homes as, you know, on a single income, mm-hmm. what is the number one tip you give to somebody when it comes to like auditioning people for your team that you were mentioning?
1: Something that was important to me was just being able to vibe well with my real estate agent. I started with that because to me that felt like the the main source of like where I would get my home from, right? I was like, I feel like I'm going to be mostly in contact with this person. Like, this is going to be my ride or die, essentially, until we actually close something. So for me, I was like, I really want someone who understands sort of almost my emotional stance at that point. I wanted to, because I was very emotional about it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. even just talking to her initially in our first conversation, I started tearing up because I just really wanted it so bad and, and I just wanted that. her to believe in me. She she was so I mean so again, how I found my real estate agent actually was a recommendation, but we she also went to Howard University, mm. so she went to the same college as me, which is a historically black college and university. Um and she's a woman living in LA. So and she's only she's she may be 35, 36, so also young and like had a had not so long ago bought her first home. So she very much was like in line with I think like my ideas and my morals and my values and just like my worries and concerns and like she is married and like has that other income but it wasn't always the case you know Mm -hmm. what i mean so for me it was just finding someone that aligned and understood my perspective
2: any other hot tips that proprietary knowledge that y'all want (laughs) to give to our listeners about home buying the process a big question we get is about our credit score i saw on our uh User submitted content. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like what is that what tips do you have about your credit score? Are there any hot tips that we've missed in this process?
3: Yeah. So you definitely want a good credit score. Um, and so you want to start building your credit. For example, the first credit card that I had, it was like a three hundred dollar limit. And so I would spend like twenty dollars on it a month and then just pay it off every month. But that was still building my credit. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you definitely want to have a good credit report because, again, it just goes back to like a loan. You have a good credit score if you're able to pay back your
2: debts. What are we talking time. here? Like 680, 700? Yeah, 50? I would say, I would, say, six, say seven would be fine. Yeah I, was,
1: yeah, I was thinking like upwards of 650. Yeah, okay. yeah, around that.
3: Research and learn the home buying process way before you're ready to buy a home. Um, always be, for me, it was always being on the apps so that I could see what houses are listed for and what they actually sell for, especially like in LA. Like I would always heart them to be like, okay, this one is only listed at like 300 and then I would see it go for 400. A million. Or or 450. Mm -hmm. And so like following it through there, which takes a couple months, but that way you know, okay, what are things listed for? Always look at the price per square foot. Oh, That's what I always look at on, on those apps elaborate so you can have a house that's a million dollars say it's 1500 square feet or you can have a house that's a million dollars and say it's 800 square feet right and so you want to know how much house you're buying and how much you're paying per square feet versus paying like i think mine at the time was maybe like 360 a square foot which in la is like so low now but um so it's like oh is it it's it's pretty i like it i like it but if you're paying a thousand dollars a square foot when comps in the area are going for like 700 a square foot then you're kind of getting ripped off if you at some point if you have enough money and you don't care and you just want it then
2: you just get it then go for it girl then you
3: just go for it yeah but that's what i look at i i do the filters based on like on uh on sale price
2: changing my filter mm-hmm. right now. Yeah,
3: do it based on sales price. And then I always click the drop down to see what the price per square foot is. And always follow through to see how much things actually sell for. I love that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gorgeous, gorgeous girls. Yeah, that's great. Look at the square footage yes. and how much it costs. Yeah. Uh, Fred, any last minute tips that you're thinking about?
1: I think a tip, a really random kind of tip, would be if you put an offer in for a house, contingencies are important and I think that a lot of times the less contingencies you have the more likely that your offer will get accepted if you have if you're at like a good rate in terms of what you're willing to pay never get rid of the inspection contingency oh yeah because people do that (gasps) just to get the house Mm -hmm. and then Sometimes a lot of times things can go things can go south. So regardless, never get rid of your inspection contingency because like you really want to make sure that this house is livable and in living livable conditions. There's no mold and all these things that can, you know, essentially be really hazardous to your health and also just really expensive to fix.
2: Well, thank you all for so much for sharing your knowledge with us. And when we come back, we're going to ask a rich dude some things.
3: Today's rich dude hails from Los Angeles. He, of course, wishes to remain anonymous. So I'm going to call him Jonas. So, Jonas, um, I hear that you are very well versed on investments and the like. What is a tip that you offer to everyone?
0: Uh, Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. I think uh, because this is your first episode, I, I think I'll offer up one of the most basic but most important tips there is, which is that Time in the market beats timing the market. That is to say, there's a lot of people who want to try and wait around, sit on the sidelines and try and dive into investing for the first time at the perfect moment, right? Uh, A low point. And time and time again, we see that that kind of strategy is nearly impossible to get right. If you're thinking about getting started in investing, you're better off jumping in, you can average in. Time in the market is the single best indicator of investment success.
1: Mm. That is really good advice. And wow, I'm like, I'm just already shook. Wow. Money advice. Can't wait to utilize it. (laughs) It's hard because, you know,
2: uh, Rich Dude, whenever you, uh, the first thing I I, my first reaction to your advice is to roll my eyes. I don't know why. It has (laughs) nothing against you. (laughs) Um, but I'm just gonna be honest. Uh my second reaction is, wow, that's a cute phrase. I love it. Can you explain what you mean by time in the market? Like, are you saying invest money and then just let it sit there and hold it there? Is that what you mean?
0: Absolutely. That is honestly, time and time and again, proven to be the very best strategy. And I, I get the hesitancy right now. I think everyone looks around and sees really overvalued stocks and it's been quite a while since we've had a true market crash and there's a lot of doomsayers saying it's coming again. Um, and so I get the the instinct to wait for the perfect moment. Um, but honestly, if you had, say, two years ago, looked at pending elections and changing regimes and this sort of thing and gone, you know what, I'm going to wait to see how this shakes out, you would have missed the last two years in the market, which has seen S&P gains of north of 20% in the last two years. So while you're waiting to time that dip and buy in low, you're missing out on major profits. And honestly, now that's gotten even worse because you have inflation uh, skyrocketing. And so your money that's not invested is actually losing value every month.
2: Mm-hmm. I hate to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that.
1: Yeah, I Have uh, yeah. That kind of, that, that stung a little bit because I do have, you know, all of my savings just sitting. No, just Fred. Sitting. I know. Fred. Same. No, no. Sa- same. No. I know, oh. I know. I know. It's oh. one of those things where it's, I have to let go. Yeah. I have to let go and invest. I know I do. And I think that I'm one of the culprits who's like, it seems like not the right time. And I no. think- also, that's just projection from people just talking, 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 and just everyone saying it's not the right time. Say, and that the same thing also goes with home buying, right? Mm-hmm. It's always not the best time to be buying a house, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also just more so based on like your 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 personal situation, mm-hmm. how much money you have, how much you are willing to sort of let go in the moment, and then kind of just being okay with that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you are trying to invest, Rich Dude tells us just jump, jump in. Just jump in. Doesn't mean you have to put all your money in yeah. all at once. Start a little bit. Yeah. Get used to it. Try
0: it out. That's actually an excellent point. I, I get the fear. And uh, averaging in is a really great strategy for maybe lessening how scary it is and also, um, again, trying not to time things. So if you're going to invest, if you've got $1,000 to invest or 10000 whatever it is, uh, or even 100 start with 20%. And then in a week or so, invest another 20%. And that way you can uh ride out any of the volatility that's going on right now
1: Mm -hmm. so i guess to be clear what exactly do you mean by averaging it yep you're gonna need to
2: circle back to that because i'm numbers illiterate um rich dude help us out
0: (laughs) sure absolutely well uh you know we are in a period where there's a lot of volatility which means things are going up and down pretty quickly and so as you're looking to jump in you May want, you may think that the best idea is to just jump in with everything that you've had parked on the sidelines, right? Do one big buy and get it over with. Um, But it can be a good strategy and and less scary to take 20% of what you're going to invest and invest that in and then wait a set number of times, say a week or a month or whatever you decide upon, and then invest another 20% no matter what has happened in the stock market. Mm. So, maybe it'll go up and okay. You feel like oh, I should have, uh, invested more earlier. That's where emotions start to get into play. So it's really important with a strategy like this to decide what your rules are going to be for yourself ahead of time mm-hmm. and take the emotion out of it.
4: Mm-hmm. But the good
0: news is say in a month, if things have gone down, well, now your average price that you're buying in at is going to be lower because that next 20% you've, uh, you've bought on a discount. And you can think of it that way, mm. right? Stocks aren't crashing. They're, uh, on a discount
2: they're on sale wow love that wow so much to digest rich dude thank you so much thank you rich dude thank you rich
0: dude (laughs) it's been my pleasure thank you so much
2: thank you so much for joining us on this inaugural episode of money honeys where we the honeys are learning more about monies Yeah, I'm Sure. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate us, leave us a nice review. If you don't like what you hear, just stay offline. <laughs> don't don't create any more issues
1: <laughs> for us. Thank yeah, you. You could just do a slow fade. You don't have to like.
2: <laughs> we get it. Yeah. We're not everyone's cup of tea. <laughs> but if you do like us, leave us a cute comment. Yeah. And uh, thanks so much. We'll see y'all next time.
1: Let's make some money, y'all.
0: If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as
4: a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. ba 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 At participating McDonald's.